Today's guest is Pro Bowl long snapper Matt Overton. In this episode, we discuss his journey from being a self-taught, undrafted free agent to a Pro Bowl caliber long snapper whose careers include stops with the Chargers, Jaguars, and most notably, the Indianapolis Colts, where he shared the field with legendary performers and teammates like Pat McAfee and Adam Vinatieri. His is a story of unwavering perseverance and the power of placing faith in God's direction for your journey. Enjoy. All right. So what is your super secret origin story, Matt Overton? <laughs> well, really, I guess uh, one word to describe my uh, my story is perseverance. Um, I know we'll go into more detail here in a moment, but um, pretty much in, in an eggshell, my career took, my professional career took six years after college to happen. So um, I played in my first NFL game um yeah six years after I graduated college so um between my senior year in college to my rookie year in the NFL a lot transpired um, bounced around quite a bit um was with several different teams played three years in the United Football League had a little stint in the Arena Football League um and uh God bless me with the opportunity to go to Indianapolis and, and that's where I actually played in my first NFL game so um, yeah, I like perseverance and, and I love to share my testimony with young guys, uh, about that process. Right. And then what was that like, or I guess, what was that like, or what, what kind of fueled you through all those ups and downs on your, on your journey to Indianapolis? Um, I mean, just, I mean, I was really, there was a lot of letdowns, uh, a lot of, uh, mistakes, a lot of obstacles and, and, highs and lows um and really it uh coming out of college I got my first NFL stint with the Seattle Seahawks and it was great because that was I went to school in Washington that was the local home team I was a my family is from Seattle and uh it was a huge uh opportunity for me and and uh between 2007 and 2010 I had three different stops in Seattle and so really early on it was just like back and forth back and forth back and forth and excitement and letdowns and disappointment um yeah so between 2007 and 2010 I was signed and let go from the Seahawks like three different times so it was it was just one of those things where I mean I was so grateful for the opportunity that they gave me um my first year there was with Mike Holmgren when he he was the head coach and then my second and third time was when Pete Carroll was there so um super different experiences um an injury in the middle of it all too there and um and then I went fortunately went back to the United Football League which really resurrected my career and let me be able to kind of essentially hang on um, as a long snapper and give me the exposure and preparation I needed for, um, you know, really being able to have a legitimate shot. And, um, it was, uh, it was, it was those three years that I played that kept my name afloat and relevant. And, um, you know, if it wasn't for that, that league, um, man, I really don't think that I would have had another opportunity beyond, um, my time in Seattle. Gotcha. And so 
when you were in uh, when you were in Indianapolis, what was that experience like? When you, obviously you played with guys like Pat McAfee and, and Adam Vinatieri, um, what do you think? What What was the biggest thing that you learned from your time working with those guys in Indianapolis? I, I'm, yeah, I mean to go back a little bit too. You know, 2011 um, was my last year in the UFL, and I played. So I played three total years in there. And for guys who don't aren't familiar with the UFL because it's not around anymore, it's right. essentially equivalent to what the XFL is now. And, um, and so I played for the Florida team my first year and then the Omaha team the next two years. And um, it, it really helped me because, you know, I was being coached by NFL coaches at that time. And so that was my first experience really having a hands-on NFL caliber coach. Whereas before, you know, I went to a small division two college at Western Washington and never had anybody like one-on-one -on -one work with me. It was all self-taught. So I think those those years leading up, and then uh, at this time, um, Coach Gary Zahner started providing his camp and combines and his work out in Arizona. So I, I went to him a few times. Um, so those things all helped me. And then getting the opportunity in Indianapolis, um, Justin Snow, the longtime snapper, he was still there. So he and I were competing, but uh, he, I mean, he was a huge mentor for me. So I mean, I just got a, I got to finally like be next to a veteran guy, watch how he works, trains, prepares, the drills he does, and really the mentality of it all. And so, um, I mean, I definitely went in to Indianapolis for the most part nervous, um, just because not only was I competing against a guy, a Super Bowl champion who's been there for a long time, but you know now I'm snapping to the greatest kicker of all time. <laughs> and uh, and then at that time, McAfee was just breaking through um, as one of the league's best punter. Um, and so he and I hit it off pretty, pretty quick. Um, and then it took, it took some time to uh, get to know Adam a little bit better just because the age gap is so, so much different. I think 12 years was the difference between our age at the time. But, but he, was, he was a great mentor for me as well, even though he wasn't right. a snapper. Um, and so – you know, uh, you know, going in, um, I was still really just developing as a snapper. Um, and uh, the coaches at that time, Brent Boyer, Marwan Malouf, these guys are now with other teams. I think uh, Marwan is the coordinator now for the Vikings, and Boyer is with the Jets. And um, really got a lot of great work from those guys. Um, and I think once I settled in, you know, and, and got – got my feet wet and playing not only in my first game, but playing the whole year, making that team that year in 2012. Um, you know, not only did my confidence just boost up because now like I solidified it, like after all these years, I finally made it, finally made an NFL team officially, played my first season, came out of it healthy. Um, and then moving forward, we got a new special teams coordinator, Tom McMahon, the next year, who really elevated my game because he he was a coach that really worked with me a lot on the side. Um, and so he him mixed with uh, Brent Boyer, who was the assistant still at that time, just really just pushed me to to improve. And the, the again, the special teams unit in Indianapolis prior to me getting there was already set to a high standard because you do have Vinatieri there and 
no matter what team he's playing for, I mean, that, that bar is so high just because of right. his excellence on and off the field and his expectations. So I think working with a, a rookie snapper and, and those coaches really investing time into me really helped. And I think as, as, as I started developing my skill, um, my confidence grew. Um, and then McAfee, Vinatieri, and I, our continuity and our um, our process and our timing and our you know everything that goes into um, creating an elite operation just started to come together. And um, even when I had a rough day or somebody was down or you know struggling, like we were the other two guys were there to pick them up and having, having those guys essentially looking up to Pat and Adam as an older brother per se, and like always having um, me under their wing and, and just having their confidence in me really helped. Um, and so it just, it, it really turned into um, a, a great operation that we had there, a great trio. And um, we had some, some really, really good moments. And so uh, I think, it took a lot of, it took that, it took some time to really get to that. Um, and a lot of hard work and dedication. It really showed me like, you know, Adam, the way, the way he prepares for a season, how he takes care of his body, how he mentally approaches every practice. I mean, that not only rubbed off on me, but on McAfee as well. So having a guy like that, that you're around constantly was, was a huge benefit to me. Right. And I noticed that you, coach uh, coach a little bit like with other snappers in the area and I've yeah. heard that you know you enjoy mentoring as well did, did those guys did your experience with guys like Justin Snow and, and Vinatieri and, and McAfee does that did that influence how you kind of approach mentoring other players that you you know you come into contact with today yeah they have a they've had a role in that for sure um but even before making it into the league, I was doing I was doing volunteer coaching. My mm -hmm. grandfather um, was a longtime head college football coach, so it, it, I always felt like call, uh, coaching was in my blood. So I really enjoy helping young kids because I've always looked back on my time, and there's always been um, people along my journey who have really invested time into me um, and, and helped me along the way. And so I always. I always felt like I wanted to pay that forward and help young guys along as well. Right. Um, and I feel, I feel like, you know, everyone has a unique story, but in, in regards like long snapping and um, it was not an easy route for me. Um, and, and the NFL is so discouraging in, in many different ways. And I like to just share my testimony with young guys like, Hey, like it, it may not happen. You know, your, your, your path to the NFL may be uh, not a direct line. It may be an, you know, a crazy whirlwind roller coaster ride you're going to be on. Um, but even even if it doesn't work right away, doesn't mean it's not possible. And right. um, but yeah, yeah, really working with because I never had a long snapping coach. Right. Um, so now that over the years, you know, I've been snapping since high school. So let's just say, you know, for 15 years now, I, I feel like I've developed um a skill set where I can actually start coaching kids and working on the basic fundamentals of it. Um, and I'm still trying to improve myself. So it, it's fun working with young guys, helping them, you know, refine their craft. But then I also learn from guys too. And it's, you know, it's, it's, it works both ways, you know, so I get a lot out of it. Um, and uh, probably more than, and 
the young guys realize, but um, it's been, it's been a lot of fun. And, and I think now there are more and more guys out there that are helping long staffers, which is great. Um, and uh, I just, I, I like to just uh, pay it forward in that, that re respect and, and um, yeah, help kids where I can. Sure. And I mean, you just never know what analogy or terminology or phrase is going to finally help a kid click. And it's really cool when, you know, when you're working with a kicker or a punter snapper, that moment when a kid's like, oh man, like that's how I rip a spiral on a long yep. snap, you know, like. Exactly. Yep. Now, when you were brought into Indianapolis, you were competing against Justin Snow and he's one mm -hmm. of the, the best guys to do it. And I'm curious, how did you navigate that fine line between competition and being a great teammate at the same time? Because sometimes I feel like younger athletes view those terms as, uh, you know, contradictory rather than complimentary. What, what are mm -hmm. your thoughts on that? Well, you know, it's, I was fortunate to have the experience where Justin treated me with respect, kind of showed me the ropes. Um, we did things together. And I think he he left a less lasting impression on me. And I really respected that and looked up to him. Not only did I look up to him as a snapper, but the fact that I was brought to Indy to compete with him, it was just an unbelievable experience because now, you know, I you know, that was let's see, that's eight years ago, going on nine years ago. And so I mean, I was so at the time I don't think I really realize the pressure was really I, I just remember feeling incredible pressure at the time not only was this like another opportunity but maybe my last opportunity I'm going up against a 11 year vet um and you know this is Justin's team he's been doing it forever um and so it was one of those things where I was just focused on like don't screw up in practice you know like I, I was trying to, you know, do everything at my will to be on time, do everything right, you know, get bigger, faster, stronger in the weight room, compete in everything that I can. Um, and really, I was just like, so like, I remember just being so wrapped up in, in, in worrying a lot. Um, and it, I mean, I, I remember just having sleepless nights because either the practice before was not my best or that phone call to get released was looming or cause I've been through this experience so much beforehand. Right. And now, you know, I'm just like, it was almost like, I'm just expecting those things to happen again, just because that has been the norm for my career at that point. Right. Um, but, you know, looking back, I still remember one of our last practices, I think it was like going into the final week of the preseason. Um, I'd been playing pretty well. I got one, I had started maybe two of the four games. Um, and at that time I was sort of getting more, more reps in practice, more reps in the preseason games. And that was a good indication like, Hey, you know, maybe I am impressing these coaches. Maybe they are starting to believe in me. And uh, Justin pulled me aside. I think what, I think the final week of preseason and, and we were running like some extra sprints on the sideline and, he said something along the lines of like, man, you're, you're going to be a great long snapper in this league for a long time. And, you know, you've done, you've done great um, this entire preseason. And, and uh, he just, he said some really, really nice things that I'll never forget. And in um, that lasting impression for me, 
um, that's the way I want to treat somebody that I'm competing with as a veteran. And so um, because of that, I think it really shifted my perspective. Like, yeah, it's competition, but at the end of the day, like we're in this thing together. We're here to compete and, and, and help each other improve. Um, there's a lot of stories that I hear of other guys around the league that, you know, when they have competition, you know, they isolate themselves from that person and they try to one up them on everything they're doing. And at the end of the day, it's our livelihood and whatnot. But, you know, I, I would, I would rather, I would rather get cut knowing that not only did I give my all, but I also treated the person I was competing with, with respect. And I hope that they have the same feeling towards me, you know? Um, and so I think it really, because of the way Justin treated me, that's helped me have that mindset when I'm, when I'm competing against a younger guy, um, like Christian Kuntz, who was in Jacksonville with me, uh, for, for a year and a half, me and him did everything together. And it was not just on the field. It was off the field. We went fishing together. He stayed at my place. We did, a, we golfed together. Like we, we established a brotherhood and a friendship that will last a lifetime, be, be long, after football's over. And that, that stuff to me is important. And I hope that other guys that are in that situation where they have a young guy coming into camp that looks up to them, like in, in, you know, you have to really consider that an honor because it was a long ago where I thought I'd never even play one year in the NFL, but now eight years later, I'm like, wow, like I'm in, I'm in a great position where now I can not only am I a veteran, but you know, I can bestow my knowledge and help, help a young guy along the way too, uh, even though we are competing. Sure. And it's interesting that Justin Snow, it's almost like he saw the player that like, you know, he, he saw a version of you that maybe you quite didn't see yourself at the time. For sure. Cause there was, I, I mean, I, you, it, they always talk about like, you know, what are your, some of your most defining moments in your playing career? And like, I probably remember more of the bad days than I do the good. Right. Mm -hmm. We dwell on, especially in, in our profession, you know, you're, you're, you're one snap away from like, just, ah, just having an awful day or awful game or whatever it may be. And so I think uh, we tend to dwell on those moments a little bit more than we do on the good. Mm -hmm. um, and I just remember being so critical of myself in training camp. Like I was just so nervous all the time. I was on edge. Um, and uh, you know, I think I really just kind of was just mentally just, just burnt out. And the fact that he saw something good in me was, was, was awesome. You know, and, and like I said, those are uh, the comments that he made uh, will last with, with me forever. Right. Let's talk about that for a second. You've mentioned that, you know, you felt pressure, you were mentally on edge and a lot of athletes listening or parents listening, you know, they can relate because they, you know, there, we're in a position where you practice for six weeks and maybe you get six sec or sorry, six days and you get six seconds of game time. How do you define pressure? And then how did you, how do you conquer pressure? Like, how do you conquer those, those butterflies in your stomach? What was your, was there a moment when you felt like, okay, I've got this, or is it a mm -hmm. continually, or is it like a constant uh, ongoing, you know, balance? Yeah, I mean, er, I think early in my career, um, I'll even take it back to like my first time in minicamp with the Seahawks. So I went to the Division II school, right? So right off the bat, I knew the odds were stacked against me. But I think also mentally, I had the physical tools to do it. There, I wouldn't have been in camp if I didn't. 
but mentally division two players aren't necessarily groomed to compete or to play at that expectation that the NFL demands. Right. So I think I went into minicamp with my head spinning, like the structure of it, the intensity of it, um, the competitiveness of it um, was just on a completely different level. You know, I'm not, I'm not coming from USC or Alabama or these programs that are just, you're competing with the best of the best every day. This is my first glimpse of it. Um, not only that, but I played, I was a defensive starter my entire career in college and I snapped on the side. So this is my first time like developing and, and devoting all my time to long snapping. Mm-hmm. So going into camp, like we did hardly anything compared to everyone else. And I, I just remember being just like antsy, like when are we going to like do some bag drills? When are we going to do some conditioning? When are we going to do some mm-hmm. this, that, and the other? And the coach like, we do our thing on the side and when we're done, we're done. And then when they call us for our team, that's when we go. Like he called me Mr. Eager. Cause I was just so eager to get out there. He's like, you just gotta, and I, it, I just remember it was like the weirdest feeling ever. Um, but uh, I think when you talk about pressure, um, I think for me as a snapper, now I'm, I'm at the NFL level now. I never had a coach. I was never taught how to block. I was never taught how to find perfect laces on short snaps. And these are all requirements and expectations at the NFL level. So when I went in there to like do these things, you know, it wasn't pretty because I didn't know how to do it. You know, I was never really taught. So uh, unfortunately my first, my first NFL opportunity was not very good. You know, Um, fortunately I got, several others after that but um I remember going like my first training camp with the Colts you know everything you know now you're in pads now you're going through preseason games and what does game day feel like what is it what's my routine got to be and this is all new to me so I think not only the pressure of making the team and you know this is now six years after college like this is a make or break for me um my family is emotionally invested in this process and they just, they just want nothing more than for me to fulfill my dream too, after all the letdowns prior to that. So, um, you know, I don't want to let my family and friends down, you know, I wanted to make the team, I wanted to, you know, live out my dream. Um, and so I think when it came to, you know, Indianapolis, I really did feel like that was like my last opportunity. So, yeah, the pressure was riding a little higher than normal. Um, and now that I'm actually getting opportunities in games, now, you know, the pressure of, of executing every single, every single time I'm on the field is, is there too. Um, and I think really when I had to learn really, really quick, I know the coaches always say, like, use the analogy, like, you make practice hard so that the games are easy. Well, I guess I really didn't understand that until like I really like forced myself out of my comfort zone um, and really trained, you know, to to really almost make my snap um, second nature. I'm not thinking when I'm snapping, you know, it's my block is it comes natural after the snap Um, and just making practice hard. You had to make it hard because then in the game it feels a little bit slower and you're almost like in the zone. And I think it took three or four years into the league for me to really understand that 
um, that way it also builds my confidence. And I think you defeat, you, you defeat the, the pressure with your confidence and preparation. Um, sure. Sure. You can be, um, you still get nervous. Like I, I, I don't think there's ever been a game that I wasn't nervous before a game, like sitting in the locker room, getting ready, but I can always rely on my training, always rely on my preparation and always rely on my confidence that when I'm on the field, I'm ready to roll and I'm not even thinking about it. And I know we reminisce a lot about, you know, running onto the field and playing. And, and uh, I know McAfee re- references this a lot. It's almost like blacking out. Like I don't remember <laughs> when you go on the field, you just don't remember. You don't remember crowd noise. You don't remember the situation. You don't remember – you know, whatever it is, you just go out there. You, you've prepared so much that you get in the, you get in the, you get on the field. It almost feels like you're the only one out there and you go out there and execute, you know? And so to answer your question, I would just say like, I've learned that preparation not only develops you and your skill, but it builds your confidence. Um, and then it, 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 it'll help you defeat your pressure because the worst, the worst feeling is going onto that f- field knowing that you didn't prepare or you have right. no idea what you're doing, you know? So that's where, that's where you fail, you know, is, is, is how, how are you preparing? And I got, like I said, I got to learn from the best of the best to, on how to prepare. Um, and um, it's, it's really even taking off season seriously, off season has to be very structured. Sure. There's time to rest, enjoy your family and friends and go and travel a little bit, but you need to invest some serious time on refining your craft. I don't care how many years you've been in the league. I don't care how many Pro Bowls you got. I don't care how many whatever accolades. But the, the greats always, 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 always work. And uh, there's a reason why they play at a high level every year. Um, and that's kind of the standard that I've always tried to, uh, to reach every offseason. What do you think the biggest limiting belief is that young athletes have? that like self-sabotages them because we've all met kids that like and kind of like what you've talked about in your career like you knew you could technically do it but you were still trying to get used to the NFL and the speed of things we've all probably worked with kids with talent but that talent didn't really come through or translate in the game when it mattered what do you think is the biggest limiting belief that a lot of young athletes have today and how would you try to change that I mean it really comes down to believing in yourself and um you just always I know there's a lot of there's a lot of guys that stick to football just because maybe their friends are doing it. Um, their parents are pressure them into doing it. Um, it really comes down to I mean, I've always loved football. And as from a young age, my my dream was to always play in the NFL. I mean, for as long as I can remember. And sure, there, there's times where doubt creeps into your mind, whether you have a bad game or maybe you're not getting recruited like you thought you would, or for me, getting cut from an NFL team over and over and over again. um, It's natural to feel that doubt, like, oh, man, like, you know, what the heck? You know, maybe I'm not good enough, or or maybe I'm allowing myself to talk me out of something or allowing somebody else's comments to really affect my mindset. And sure, there's coaches that I've had in the past where they've said something to me and it stuck negatively. And Man, it just, it, like I said, this is, it, it kind of goes back to what I was talking about. You know, you remember the bad moments a little bit more than the good ones. Um, and for whatever reason, I think we, that negativity sticks to us a little bit more because, yeah, we're all, we're all human. We all want to achieve. We all want to please people. We all want to rise to the occasion. And just sometimes either 
you know, you have one bad snap, one bad kick, one bad punt, and one bad comment from a coach or a teammate or maybe a post on social media that you see. And it just, man, it just crushes your whole mindset. Um, I've, I've always, something that I've done, it, it may, it, it's, it's, I don't know, it's uh, self-embellishing, I guess you want to say, but I've always, I've always gone back and looked at old film, right? And this is, you know, six, seven, eight years ago. And it's, it's really cool to, you know, when you're, when you're in those moments of doubt or you're frustrated or you just need a little of encouragement, it's really cool to kind of look back on your own personal story. Like, man, like three years ago, you know, I did this or last season I did this or remember 10 years ago, I never thought that I'd be at this point in my life or my career. And, and I think it's really cool. And it really does build some confidence back and restores it. Um, when you reflect on your, your path and your journey and, and you, you, you relish in those good moment, moments because when you get to the NFL or the division one level or whatever it may be, sure. Everyone's good. Everyone's there because they can do their job but you stick around for a lot longer if you do that job well over and over and over again. And so it really comes down to believing in yourself. Like, yes, like I had a bad day, but just believe in your, your technique and, and, and not be afraid to admit your faults, admit your mistakes, admit your failures, because um, really it, it, you just got to, you got to own up to um, things that you need to work on. And, even though I've played in the NFL for eight years does not mean, or does not give me the excuse not to train or say that I've got everything figured out because by no means do I, do I have, I mean, I mean, there's always something I need to work on. And I think I wish I had that mindset four or five years ago where I would approach an off season with that, with that attitude, because, um, you know, I, I think there was, there was times in my career where I just kind of, uh, rested on my the season before had a good season next year is going to be the same and maybe my training is just not up to where it needs to be or maybe I didn't push myself hard enough and right. um, and I didn't have that success that I thought I would and um, and uh, maybe I believed in myself a little too much um, in respect like in regards to like just maybe being a little oblivious or naive or um, arrogant um, where I didn't feel like I needed to be pushed more to, to improve. Um, but uh, that self-doubt will always be there. There's still times in my career now where I have those days where like, man, gosh, dang it, man, I don't got it no more. Or, right. um, you know, I don't, there's just something negative that I stick to. But um, I mean, it's really, really got to believe in yourself because if you don't, no one else will. So, I mean, that's really what it comes down to. Right. And I feel like, and I mean, everybody struggles with this. I think in particular athletes struggle with it too. Like how do, how do you, how do you navigate that fine line between being cocky versus being confident? Cause I almost feel like there's some kids that, you know, they, they, they grind themselves in the dust working so hard and then they, they almost come onto the field, not fully sure that everything's supposed to click. Mm -hmm. You know, like, I guess, how do you navigate that line between like stepping onto the field and expecting everything to go great. And at the same time, like detaching yourself from the results of the play. 
Yeah, I mean, and again, when it comes down to special teams, we really only have a small window of opportunity to, to perform, right? And it's like every time you're on the field, you're expected to make that kick. You're expected to make that snap. You're expected to, you know, punt the ball 45 yards, five-second hang time out of bounds, no return yards, all that kind of stuff, right? And I think, you know, it's it's it's, it's like they always say, and I hate this, I, I, I really hate – when people say, oh, you know, um, in regards to long snapping, they don't know your name unless you screw up. And, like, why can't they know your name for being great? Mm-hmm. You know, and that's always bothered me. And, and, and so um, it's, it's just one of those things where, you know, again, when it comes to – I do admire the, the guys that, are, that play cocky because you kind of have to have some sort of cockiness <laughs> to be an athlete and succeed. Um, and it really, it's more confidence. I mean, it's, I think the cockiness comes into when you're, when your personality is, is uh, really aggressive or it's loud or it's flashy. Um, there's a lot of guys that play cocky that don't say anything. Um, and they just kind of have that natural swag to them when they, they're on the field. They just like, it seems effortless. Um, and I think it really, I mean, there's a small percentage of guys that can get away with that. Um, there's just, there's just God given abilities that guys have, whether it's just the, the strength they have, the speed they have, the abilities they have where they can literally, you know, not practice all week. They can skip workouts. And when they put those pads on and and go on the field, they can execute at a high level. Um, but the 99% of the rest of the guys, they can't afford to do that. You know, um, and I think it's it really I'll go back to what I said earlier about um, confidence comes with your preparation. Um, I think if you prepare and really leave no stone unturned, you can go into that game fully confident that whatever you're going to see in that game, whether it's, you know, um, a certain rush that a team is bringing against the punt team. Um, kicking the ball from a certain hash against the wind, into the wind, with side, where, in the rain, in the snow, whatever it is, um, it's not unusual for you to see that. And, it, it, you know, we, we still – we like to try to simulate those moments in practice, whether it's a mayday field goal where you have 10 seconds left. you got to get on the field quick. you got to set yourself, snap, hold, kick, and get, get the ball through the uprights for a game winner. Um, you know, you got when it's snowing outside, when it's raining outside, go snap in the rain, go snap in the snow, go kick and punt in those elements because, you know, you may have to do that one day, you know. And so I remember in Indy, even though we had an indoor practice facility and it was, I remember it was, I think it was playoffs or something, and we had, I think it was like negative ten degree weather with snow and ice, and we went out. And we did we did all of our individual snaps, punts, and kicks in that in those in those uh, elements because, um, you know, hey, if we're playing in New England in in late January, or we're playing in Kansas City, we're playing in Chicago, whatever it is, some of those cold Green Bay, some of those cold Midwest uh, cities, um, you you better prepare yourself mentally and physically for those elements, you know, so. Again, I'll, I'll go back and say pre- preparation. Your preparation will, will determine your confidence. And, like, again, cockiness. I think cockiness, too, is a little bit of, like, fun associated to it. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, you got you to gotta have fun doing what you're doing because why, why, why do it if you're not? Sure. 
And I think that that's like, you know, like it's almost like people forget to enjoy what they're doing because the reality is you get four years guaranteed of high school football, maybe four more of college. And then if you're super lucky, maybe a little something after that. Like there's no 90 year olds playing football. Yeah. Um, Well, too. And I think when you get to, when you get to the level where now you're on a full ride scholarship, um, it does almost turn into a job because now you have responsibilities. It's not just, um, showing up to practice and playing in games you know now you're a student athlete you're required to maintain a gpa you're you're you have to do off-season winter conditioning spring conditioning spring ball fall ball summer you have all these responsibilities and it almost becomes a job um, because it's your it's your livelihood you know um, i wouldn't have gone to college where i went if it wasn't for football and i'm sure a lot of guys wouldn't go to other schools around the country if it wasn't for football taking them there. So you do have to treat football like a job. And even at the NFL level, it is a job. You get paid. Your livelihood is, is football. Um, and so there are, there are guys that treat it as such, but really, I mean, it's so hard and so demanding and the sacrifice is so big that if you're not having fun, why do it? You know, it, it, it's so, it'd be so dreadful. And I've had my moments in my career where I wasn't having fun whether I wasn't playing to my potential, I wasn't playing to the expectations that everyone had on me. Um, I wasn't, I wasn't playing where I wanted to be and needed to be. Um, And that, that pressure of not um, performing uh, can definitely take the fun out of everything. But um, you know, once you find that, that why, why you do it, why do you love this game so much? Um, Because at the end of the day, it's like, man, I'm 34 years old playing a kid's game for a living. Like how could I not have fun? You know? Um, But yeah, the, the, I think the demand of it can definitely strip the fun out of it. Um, But you got to find joy in what you're doing, whether it's football or whether whatever it is you're going to do. There has to be joy because without joy, there's no purpose, you know? And so um, you just, you definitely have to, you have to love what you're doing. You definitely have to do that. So why do you love long snapping? Well, man, it's a good question because I don't think, I mean, it, like I said, in, in high school, the coach just made me do it because I was the only one on the team that was decent at it. I played um, center my freshman year. And so it was only natural, I guess, that they just kept me on the field for the punt, you know, and snapped <laughs> it back to the, the yeah. punter. Um, and I really, again, I was never taught by anybody. Um, and, there really wasn't any in high school, uh, uh, you know, this is like, I'm talking 15 years ago. Um, there was no snapping camps, no snapping coaches, no clinics. Schools weren't giving scholarships for snappers. Um, it was always just a, a tight end linebacker O lineman that could just do it. Um, and so I don't think I took snapping seriously until I got to, college and I went to junior college first and so um it was then that I realized because I was uh I I played linebacker but that my freshman year I got special teams MVP for the team as a long snapper I'm like what like you're giving me the MVP of the special teams this year because I long snap and the coach was like dude you if your dream is to get a scholarship if your dream is the NFL like this is your route and I think once I realized that, it's like, man, like, I do have a special gift. Um, 
this is a unique skill set. You know, I'm just going to keep working at it. And it, I think once I realized that, I started to enjoy it more. I started to practice it more. I started going to camps in the summertime. Um, I remember my first camp was a Ray guy, Ray guy uh, punting camp. And um, that was my first taste of like going through a three-day clinic on snapping and all that kind of stuff. And this was like my junior year in college. So um, I think once uh, I started working on it more and, and uh, I got some NFL attention um, my, junior, my junior year uh, as a long snapper, it's like, man, this is really cool. And I, just, I guess I, I started taking more pride in it. And then once I got to the NFL, um, I just thought it was cool. Like I just, I always had the mindset, like I wanted to break the stereotype of specialists and I'm sure there's kickers and punters around that feel the same way. It's just always, the stigma is always like unathletic, not part of the team. Like no one wants your job Monday through, uh, or everyone wants your job Monday through Saturday, but they don't want your job on Sunday is what they say. And, um, you know, I think it's just, it was just so cool. India was like the perfect fit for me because uh, Pat has that mentality where he's like, dude, I'm going to, I'm change, I'm a game changer. Vinatieri, obviously kicking game winning field goals in the Super Bowls. Like he's the, I mean, people like, it doesn't matter who you are, what team you like, everyone knows who Adam Vinatieri is, you know, and they're a fan just because he's so clutch and having that mentality, like it, it, it just fit well with my mindset because like, like I said earlier, I don't like the stigma or the attitude of stay under the radar as a long snapper. You don't want anyone to know your name and I'll screw that. Why can't they call my name on the, on the uh, uh, PA system at at a stadium when you make a tackle? Like, that's what I want. I want my name to be said like, sure, I'm going to screw up, but I want people to remember me for being a great long snapper and uh, being athletic and being able to cover and, make tackles and make plays and, you know, uh, help this team win. And I, that's the attitude that I have. Um, and so I think I it just, I, I just love doing it because not, there's not very many people obviously that can do it well or at the highest level. And you take a lot of pride being in one of the 32 guys in the world doing it, you know? Um, and uh, I just think it's, I, I think the respect of, of the position is, is getting there. Um, we're finally getting our names on Madden where before we used to be like listed as like tight ends or right. offensive linemen. It's like, dude, we are long snappers. Like what don't you get? This is, this is 2020 now. Like we're not. Uh, yeah. They still won't give you that little line of code, man. It's, it's, it's crazy. Right. It's like, really? And it, that's yeah. why I think like this year was, was really cool in the NFL was now that long snappers were being voted upon by their peers, which is like sure. crazy to think that like it, it had to be asked to be changed. You know, it's like we, we have 32 designated snappers in the league. There's no difference between a punter and a, and a kicker. Like, they are – that's what they do. It's a position. It's not a position that, like, oh, we're going to send our backup, you know, linebacker and they do it. No, it's it, – you are on the roster as a long snapper, you know. So, right. I think we're slowly getting to that respect level. Well, now it's recognized as a legit position and not just some, like, secondary, like, oh – uh you know it's a, a careless position you know so sure. um but I, yeah i mean I, I i love doing it just because you know it's different um it's a special skill set and um man it's just uh it's it's a it's just a very unique skill to have and so um 
yeah, you're right. I mean, if I didn't love long snap, and then I, I would have gave up a long time ago. Right. <laughs> now, uh, two uh, last two, and I think you gotta love it, man. Because like, if you don't, you have to love it enough to where when you hit those dips, you still have a little bit of fuel in the tank to get you out of it. Yep. And um, so, last two questions for you. You know, football isn't forever, and that's what makes it special. When yep. you are looking back at your career, what is the one thing? you want people to remember about you well i mean definitely i think having the respect from my peers is is really important um i mean i think we all we're all in it for the love of the game we're all in it for hoping to be a super bowl champion and hoisting that lombardi and having a a ring and all that kind of stuff and those are all things that i you know would love to be a part of um but uh, I do understand how hard it is to be a champion and winning that Super Bowl. It's, it's so hard. And um, even making the playoffs is hard. But outside of that, like, when I walk away from the game as a player, like, I definitely want to have the respect from my peers. When they're asked about Matt Overton, you know, great teammate, great player. But really what's important to me is, is um, you know, the impact that I've made on my team and off the field. Um, you know, just really one of those things where we're so blessed to have the opportunity to play this great game, you know, and the NFL is really a special platform and, and people listen, people will follow, people will, will um, you know, open doors for you because you, you bring something that they, you know, admire or respect. And so just like utilizing that, that platform and really serving the community or whether where, where, it's you, where you play, your hometown, um, I, I, that's so important to me and because yet you're right, it doesn't last long. And, you know, unfortunately when, when your playing days are done, some people just don't care no more. Right. And, you know, you're no longer that football player. You're no longer, you know, you're that kid's favorite player because you're not playing, you know? And so, um, really just taking advantage of the time to, to treat people with respect, um, engage with fans. It doesn't take a lot. It's a, it's an easy gesture to say hello, to sign an autograph, to take time out, to take a picture with somebody. Um, and then, you know, use your platform to serve the community in great ways, whether it's putting on camps, you know, serving, uh, going to hospitals and, and helping different charities. Um, that really, cause the impact, I, I think a lot of guys just kind of blow it off. Like, ah, like, even though I'm not a, a, a household name, like my impact really won't mean anything. Um, it's so far from wrong because I mean, it's just, it doesn't matter. You, you can, you can walk into a room of kids and say, I play for the Colts or I play for the, the Packers. They don't even know who you are and, and they, <laughs> they're pumped. Like, yeah. You're a superhero that just walked through that door. Right. And they, they remember those moments for the rest of their lives, you know? And so, um, you know, like I said, I, I, I would just the respect for my peers and, you know, the impact that I left on, on this world as a player, it means the most to me. Yeah. And I think that's important because when you get lost up in the football stuff, it's really easy to forget that it's really about the person you become along the way. Cause yeah. eventually, you know, you're not going to be able to play football anymore and all you're left yeah. with is, is the person in that mirror. Yeah. Um, well, I'll tell you what, man, this was awesome. And uh, you, I think that's a good spot to end the podcast on. Hang on one sec. Cause there's a pause All right.
Thanks for listening to another episode of the Kickers Are People 2 podcast. If you like this episode, or even better, if you didn't like it, please drop us a review on iTunes so we can get better for everybody else. This is important because we're going to start to give away some free, cool prizes in the coming weeks, episodes, and seasons. Thank you.